Hello and welcome to the Creativity Snippets podcast with Barbara Wilson and myself, Tracy Stanley. We're passionate about encouraging creativities and we're co-authors of the book, Creativity Cycling, Help Your Team Solve Complex Problems with Creative Tools. Now, Barbara lives in France, in the south of France, near Nice, and I live here in Brisbane, Australia. We started recording our conversations um, at the beginning of 2020 and um, continue to share our inspirations and our learning um, in this monthly Creativity Snippets podcast. Now, today, Barbara and I are going to be discussing the 4P framework for developing your creativity. And we'll be doing a little bit of reflection on what we've learned in the last month since we last chatted. So um, I'll hand the floor over to Barbara to tell us a little bit more about the 4P framework. Thanks. Thanks, Tracy. Um, yes, this is a framework I came across when studying creativity back in the early 90s as part of my MBA. And it, it resonated with me, mostly because of its simplicity, I think. And, and, and it just seemed to strike me as being, as being so relevant to creativity. Um, so the four Ps are the really characteristics or behaviors that are conducive to creativity. So in a way, I mean, what we've been starting to talk about, Tracy, are, are what are the conditions for creativity? You know, last podcast, we talked about different styles or different approaches to creativity. And today, this is about, you know, as, as you said, about individuals' creativity and the conditions that we all need um, to be within us, within our, our behavior, within our mindsets, within our, our attitudes, um, as, as a sort of forerunner to becoming creative or to keep us being creative. So they're positivity, playfulness, passion, and persistence. And I want to take each one of them in turn and just explain a little bit about them, and then we'll have a, a short discussion. So the first one is, is positivity. And as I say that word, I'm so aware of how important that is in the world around us at the moment. Um, but this is an attitude of mind. In a way, it's an attitude of mind that, see, for example, sees opportunities rather than problems. I know that that can sound a bit trite at times when, when we say to people, you know, we'll turn that problem or reframe it as an opportunity. However, if we are being positive, we can look at issues in a way that is open to possibilities. And I think that's the difference. Our problems become um, open to possibilities for resolving them. Um, so, in a way, that, that gives us hope that, that we can get somewhere. If we're negative, we build up barriers and we see little hope. So, I think that that's the sort of the other side of it. I mean, one analogy we often talk or we often use when we're talking about positivity and negativity in creativity is seeing a glass, you know, do we see the glass half full or do we see it half empty? Um, I think that's very useful. So how this plays out, um, it, you can see it in a work situation in some of the, the things people say when they respond to other people's suggestions, for example. Um, there are people who habitually use yes, but 
you know when a when somebody's making a suggestion in the workplace well let's let's try this or here's an idea i've had there are people who tend to immediately come up with ah yes but you know have you considered this or and then it goes on what i always recommend to people when when the putting up those kind of barriers um, when they're discussing, when there's a discussion of change, is just to try yes and, you know, acknowledge the new ideas, acknowledge the possibilities, be open to them. You still have the opportunity yourself to come in afterwards with your reflections on this. But by giving your reflections on it, you're staying open. And I think that's the difference. When we're being in a negative frame of mind, we can shut down. We close down the discussion. When we're being in a positive frame of mind, we're willing to listen to other people and we're willing to be open to possibilities they may be suggesting as well. So I hope that's sort of, you know, explained a little bit about how that may work out in, in the workplace. And I think, Tracy, you're going to add a little bit more to that. But I think as a general... Um, a general point about positivity is that when we are being positive, uh, when we, you know, make our way in the world, walking or, or doing whatever it is we're doing, then we, when we look around us, we see things in a different light. We we probably see more. We see things coloured rather than, you know, monochrome, if you like, and that really does also inspire creativity. So Tracy. Do you have examples to share here? Yep, yep. Barbara, I would you know, absolutely agree with those points that you've made about how, when you have a positive mindset, you know, you're more open to seeing things, more open to possibilities. And as we've said, the opposite of that is when you're negative and you shut things down. And having worked in large organisations, you know, you go to a meeting where everyone is in a negative mindset, you know, and we've tried that, we've done that before. And as you said, the conversation gets shut down and no one gets into an exploratory mode. Now, this isn't about being Pollyanna, about being positive all the time, but it's about recognising what happens when people are positive and people are negative. Uh, I'm quite a fan of the, um, the method for separating the different ways we think and feel about a situation or a problem developed by Edward de Bono some time ago now called the Six Thinking Hats. Now, he has, if you put on your red hat, you can get them, you can talk about all the things that you're afraid of and that you fear and that you think are wrong with an idea. And then if you're a manager or facilitator for that group, it's good to say, okay, we've done that. Everyone's heard that. And then let's move on. And if we put on sort of our green hat, we're, we're much more positive and that gives us the, the opportunity for everyone at the same time to be thinking positively about the situation um, or, in, or, or indeed the opportunity and to imagine new newer possibilities and new futures and so forth. So um, yeah, that would be my, my contribution on the positivity within the 4P framework, Barbara. Thank you, Tracy. And, and I think it's great to share there, um, Edward de Bono's Six Thinking Hats, because sometimes when we want to reframe people's thinking, it helps to have a technique to, to do that. Um, so let's move on to the next four, uh, next one of the four P's. And this is playfulness. Now, we've often um, referred to play in our previous podcasts. You know, it, it, it's, it becomes an important part, really, almost of creativity when we're encouraging creativity in, in workshops, for example. 
in a work situation, it can be as much about being flexible as it is, but uh, as it is about, say, introducing an element of fun. Although that's not to say introducing fun isn't really important as well. If uh, I think it's it's really important to creativity that we don't stay serious all the time, um, because if we if we open up and we allow some fun in our lives and we allow some flexibility, then again we can see some possibilities emerge from that. At work, it could also include uh, an attitude to risk. If we're being playful, then we'll be open to, to taking those risks around new ideas. Um, and we might be willing to just try something out in, in maybe in a small way, in a, in, a, in a playful way. So I think this is, this is quite important play. It's a very difficult one to, to introduce in the workplace because we don't think of that as fun. Although many organizations, many cultures have tried to do this, you know, Google um, springs to mind when they started. Um, but I, I, I think it is something to consider that, that we can introduce a little bit more fun into, into our lives in order to encourage this playfulness. Tracy, anything to add there? Yes, you're right. You know, um, you know, as children, we play a lot. That's what children do. They're constantly playing and exploring and experimenting and they're falling over. And, you know, as they go through our social systems, our schools, our universities, and then into our workplaces, often those behaviours get cut down because, and it's not considered an appropriate thing to do. Uh, and it's interesting, I've um, sometimes facilitated visioning exercises about the future using creative processes like painting or sculpting with, with tools as simple as straws and balloons. And it's been really interesting to sort of for people to remember what it felt like to play with raw materials like that um, and how it felt as children playing and that, um, that, that created a sense of fun and it actually created an opportunity to explore a situation in a different context. So, um, yeah, so it, you need to recognise that some people in your organisation may not have been playing for a long time. And if you're facilitating that process, you need to understand that that's what they bring to it. And there may be some resistance to playing because it's not perceived to be business appropriate. Mm. Thank you, Tracy. Yes, just just to, again, to add to that, I think that that last point you've made is really important that people need to have their minds almost prepared for something, for, for a, a space to play. And one of the ways we can always do this is by introducing um, different techniques. And a very simple one in the workplace is, is to um, look at, at brainstorming, but brainstorming from a much more playful angle. You know, so the, the, the typical kind of question that you might ask people, you know, how many different uses you, can you make of a, a, for a brick can start to encourage people and then go further with that. Um, I, I've had some very creative examples of that in the past in, in creativity workshops, um, some of which I'm not sure I want to share on a podcast, but there you go. <laughs> but it can open up people's thinking. And, and once people start to laugh about some of the suggestions that are coming up, then that's when you've really, you've turned that corner and you can start to be more playful and open up creativity. And that's important. Yeah. So the next of the four Ps is passion. This always seems like a, a very weird one, again, when we talk about work. Um, but I, I think passion is really important because passion is about um, 
how motivated you are, uh, how how much of a commitment you're going to give to um, to whatever it is you want to be, you know, whatever domain you want to be creative in. Um, I think that you can, I mean, I can see that, and I'm sure Tracy, you can, from when we, we get into a writing mode. Um, I can also see it with photography. Um, when I feel passionate about photography, I can go out there with a camera and I can, I can just lose myself um, taking photographs, looking, at, looking at for possibilities, just looking around me at the environment um, and getting excited about those possibilities. It's interesting that, that we, can, we can do that when we are um, really sort of motivated. So motivated and, and passion really go together here. And I'm thinking when I talk about that of Csikszentmihalyi, um, who talks about a state being in a state of flow. And when we're in a state of flow, then we really do lose all sense of time. We can really be at our best at that point and at our most creative. So I think passion is, is such an important um, behavior or it's almost like a, a, a characteristic rather than a behavior but it, it's really important to get to that point where you feel passionate about what you're doing and the final of the four p's is persistence when I first came across these four p's and I looked at that one I could I could totally get positivity playfulness and passion persistence didn't just it didn't do it for me however I think as I'm so much um, further down my path in terms of creativity, I, I get this one um, because this is about, you know, really like persevering. It's really keeping going. Um, you know, it's not about trying something and, oh, it doesn't work. Let's move on. It's about, you know, perfecting um, your work. Whenever I've been to an exhibition, for instance, a, a paint of painters, um, and they've shown you some of the uh, different mock-ups, if you like, or the early attempts that painters have made to get to their final um, painting. That becomes very clear that painters will often, and not just painters, all, all artists, all creatives will keep working and working at working at their craft till they've got that, um, till they feel satisfied that they've got something that they want to share with the world. I think I gave one of those examples last week when I was talking about poetry, um, that there are poets who can spend um, years on one poem. Um, and, um, and this also applies to the world of work. So we can see this with creativity and innovation. I mean, that there's a, um, some classic examples of this. Um, and one, one I, you know, that, that's, that's out there is the example of the photocopier. Um, its inventor, Chester Carlson, reportedly spent 20 years persistently trying to get manufacturers interested in, in, um, in his invention. Okay, that's persistence at the point of really putting something into action. But equally, it can be about persistence in getting to that product in the first place or getting to that invention. And the post-it is another example of that the light bulb. There are lots of early inventions where people have really worked persistently over years to get to the point where their creativity can be put into, into practice. Tracy, any examples come to your mind about this? 
Well, I will add some examples from the writing sphere, and there are many. And let me just pick two that I'm sure our listeners have heard of. The first is Jack London, who, who wrote um, Call of the Wild, Call of the Wild, uh, among others. It's, it is considered a literary classic. Um, he submitted that to publishers over 600 times before he was finally accepted, over 600 times. So bravo, Jack. Uh, or more recently, of course, J.K. Rowling. You know, we hear this wonderful story. She was writing on serviettes in cafes. Um, she got many, many rejection letters before she was snapped up by Bloomsbury. She also was um, rejected as a student for Oxford and so ended up going to Exeter. Um, so, you know, didn't let a refusal stop her from pursuing, you know, what she wanted to write and what she wanted to learn. So um, I remember seeing this. I remember seeing this this cartoon of a person who's digging for gold, and you see this really long tunnel they've been on. They stop and they're like three inches from the gold. And I think of that all the time. And I think, oh no, no, the gold's close. I've just got to keep going. I've just got to be persistent. That's a really good. That's a really great um, picture to to hold in your mind about uh, about persistence. Thank you, Tracy. So that, that just sums up um, uh, the, uh, a, a sort of short overview, really, of the four Ps, positivity, playfulness, passion and persistence, that really um, are, I think, the sort of building blocks for individual creativity. So now we move on to our second part of our podcast, which is reflections. We've been sharing what we've, we've learned over the last, or since we last spoke really on, on podcasting. And um, I'm going to confess that I haven't got anything to share today. Um, it's not been a particularly creative time for me in the last couple of weeks for various, for personal reasons, which I'm not going into. However, Tracy you want to talk about something and share something here. So let's hear what you've got to share. Yes, thanks, thanks Barbara. So um, I'm experimenting with a new way of capturing my, my ideas and planning my work. I mean, I'm forever experimenting. Like everybody else, I've got a paper diary, I've got an electronic diary, I've got to-do lists on Excel sheets. And then I've also had this fury system of little scraps of paper. Every time I had an idea, I'd run it a bit paper and throw it into my inbox. Um, and so I have to come back later on and try and solve these bits of paper. And um, someone who I quite respect on Twitter was actually the thesis whisperer, Inga Mewburn, talked about a book and a method that had really inspired her called the bullet journal method. So um, I borrowed the book and I've looked at the video and I'm experimenting with it. And um, I haven't fully embraced the full method, but I am finding it a really useful way of capturing ideas during the day if you use blank paper and pencil, uh, you know, rather than using a computer. Um, and the two things that, the two key things that I've learned is that on the front of my many, many journals, and I know Barbara has stashes of journals as well, it's important to have an index or a classification system at the front with every page numbered so that when you're trying to find something in your rough notes, um, you can go back and find it. So that's that's a really simple learning point. But the bigger learning point for me was when something comes in that I give it what's called a classifier. So I have all these little collections of ideas, which are all indexed in my plain paper notebook. And, and, and I have to sort of say, is this just an idea which is something to do? Is this just some information that I wanna put down? Is this an event? And there's, there's actually, there's six little classifiers. And so like 
when I'm focusing on something, say I'm writing a book and I get an idea for another book, I rip out my, um, I, I pick up my notepad and I go and I put the idea down and with an action, whether it's something I want to do, it's just a note or a reflection. And so it covers all sorts of things. It covers the projects that I'm working on. Um, I've got stuff to do with my website. I've got a gratitude journal. Um, I've got shopping. So um, I mean, life is messy and it's, and I'm trying it. And so far, even though I'm only using half the method because I haven't yet fully embraced their monthly and um, six monthly planners, I'm finding it's a much better system than simply grabbing bits of paper and throwing them into my uh, inbox without having given thought as to what I'm going to do with it. I mean, leaving that as another process. So I basically, I document it and I give myself guidelines as to what I'm going to do with it. So for all the creatives out there, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I'd encourage you to, um, the book's called, um, one second. It's the Bullet Journal Method. It's by Ryder Carroll. And there's a, a great four-minute video on YouTube to give you an overview of the method. Um, so that's what I've been learning. So um, I will, um, when you're learning something, you've got to unlearn something. So I will update you on how I go with the, sort of the, the rest of the planning and the carrying forward of activities. Um, I guess I had a mental block in terms of not wanting to do that because it seemed like too much of a change from what I was doing. But that will be the, uh, the next phase. <laughs> That's great. Thank, thanks, Tracy. We'll put the reference to that in the, in the notes for the podcast because I think that will be very helpful. I think it's something that I'm going to look at as well. I need to get myself organised um, with all my different notebooks, as, as you've pointed out. I know out. that you're a huge fan <laughs> of paper. And it's, so it's just, yeah, yeah, I think there is about paper and writing things down and actually you yeah. read the book about how because we write more slowly, we're forced to actually analyse and synthesise as we go, which, I, which yeah. is kind of interesting. So yeah. there's a lot of chatter in the book about not doing stuff that doesn't move your objectives forward. And then there's the method. So the method's probably only about 15% of the book. Yeah. And the chatter's about 85% <laughs> of the book. <laughs> okay. So I'll have a look at that. Okay. Well, before I wrap it up. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's uh, just to say thanks everybody for listening and um, pass it to Tracy for wrapping up. Okay. So um, if you'd like to find out more about what Barbara and I are writing about, we're both active bloggers. You can find Barbara at barbara-wilson.com and myself at tjstanley.com. And, of course, we invite you to buy our book, Creativity Cycling, Help Your Team Solve Complex Problems with Creative Tools. That's available on Amazon, Google Play and Book Depository. And um, wishing you all a creative morning or day, wherever you are in the world. <laughs> bye. Okay, bye, everybody.